0: Welcome to Demo Tapes, the music podcast where we hit rewind on some of the world's biggest bands and musicians. I'm Sarah Jane Kemp, and this, my co-host, is Rick Martin. Hi, Rick.
1: Hi, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for using my proper title this I thought,
0: week. I thought I've kind of exhausted all of them now. Well, maybe we haven't, but I don't have any in the back of my mind this week, so I think we're just going to have to deal with Rick Martin. Yeah. Simple, standard, bog standard.
1: Maybe series two, I'll introduce my middle name as well, and we'll both have middle names in, our, in the names that we introduce ourselves with.
0: Why not? Let's mix it up. It's always good to mix it up. How are you? How have you been? What have you been up to?
1: Uh, yeah, I've had a good week actually. Um, so went to a gig at the weekend, a mm-hmm. uh, slightly different sort of gig though okay. than, than um, I'd normally go to. So it was a poetry gig.
0: I know exactly who you're going to talk about here.
1: So, yeah, it was John Cooper Clark. So yeah. when I say it's a poetry gig, it was at the Palladium. This wasn't some, you know, beatnik cafe in some corner of East London. Uh, <laughs> this was probably... Probably
0: would have been suited better to be in there, really, with John Cooper Clark, right?
1: I said to the mate I went with, it was the equivalent of going to see Coldplay and thinking that you're into indie, because it's, <laughs> it's like seeing the biggest name in poetry. But um, I've kind of been a fan of John Cooper Clark uh, for years. You know, you see him on things like Have I Got News For You. Um, he's a big name in the music scene. I remember mm-hmm. when I used to interview... Uh, John McClure, the Reverend, and um, he would talk about him. Alex Turner, obviously, is a fan of his. Um, and Arctic Monkeys did record one of his poems on AM. Um, I Wanna Be Yours is obviously a John Cooper Clark poem that they uh, adapted in, into song. Um, and he's he's just a legend. He's just a, he's just a complete hero. You know, he's 69, nearly 70. Um, and you know he, he before, he's he's known as a punk poet because he doesn't just perform poetry in you know your kind of typical louch sort of uh, sort of style you know he's, he he holds the microphone like Johnny Rotten you yeah, know he yeah, yeah. he delivers it in a real kind of staccato sort of rhythm um he's got and, that
0: stage presence as well i've seen him i've seen him at the barbican actually a few years ago again another uh, venue that you probably wouldn't necessarily uh, linked to John Cooper Clark, would you? It's no. kind of a bit of a juxtaposition, isn't it? In a very grand, a bit like the Palladium in a very grand venue, but you've kind of got this really gritty, raw um, poet. And he is massive in the music scene, isn't he, as well? So what, what did he... Was was that a music gig, or was it just his so, gig? Or? Obviously
1: it was John Cooper Clark performing, but he had a really great supporting cast of, of other poets that came out. The first half was kind of uh, six or seven poets, so I'm going to Quickly give a few shout-outs to in, in a second, and then John Cooper Clarke kind of had the second half. Um, so he had a guy called Simon Day, who was in the Fast Show, who came on as a guy called Jeffrey Allerton, like an old Yorkshireman. So he did poetry, kind of in 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 character, I guess. That that was that was pretty funny. So he had this poet called Claire Ferguson, who was quite confrontational. Uh, then he had someone called Toria Garber. Again, these are names I'd never heard before who was a Yorkshire poet, who, who I think, on the one hand, was quite witty and funny, but also it was quite dark, some of the stuff she was talking about. It was all about quite a, sort of, um, I guess a gritty childhood, is, is what you would call it. Um, and then, I think one that. of the other acts was called Luke Wright, um, and he's one of those who looked like a bit of a hipster, but then actually, you were really, he, he, his style of poetry was not exact, kind of really what you weren't expecting um, to hear. And he did this really interesting poem about Ian Duncan Smith, mm-hmm. where the, 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 the Tory politician, Quite left-wing, as you might imagine, in in the kind of poetry scene. And um, he said he set himself a rule where he could only use the vowel i in the poem. So the whole poem it was all consonants, and then just the vowel i. No a, z, i, z, o or incredible. use. That's incredible.
0: That's really amazing. How did? How do you? How much work must go into that?
1: Just re- it's so really clever wordplay. Really,
0: really, really clever. Cool. So how many people? There's quite a lot of poets there. It's kind of different to your usual standard of a you know support act or two, and then the main act. How many? How long were they on stage for each time? So the whole
1: gig was about two and a half hours, I guess. Okay. And, um, I feel like I had a bit of an epiphany moment. I had this a few years ago in stand-up comedy where um, I'd been to the odd stand-up gig, but I hadn't really been to kind of local comedy clubs. And I went to a few and thought. I really need to do more of this and now where I can I, I get out to more and poetry I've never really seen perform live other than when you wander in a tent at somewhere like Glastonbury or Reading and then you wander out again have you know pretty soon after but um you know, maybe this is the start of me going to see more poetry I wouldn't have said that a week ago
0: you might not but it's quite similar if you look at it in terms of if you relate it to song lyrics you know song, song lyrics are often quite poetic aren't they and um, I, I can definitely see why you um, you like that so let's let's keep updated with that that's quite interesting I haven't been to I mean the last time I saw any poetry was John Cooper Clark and that was about six years ago I think probably six or seven years ago so maybe I need to get back into that as well
2: what but, for, but,
0: but for now I mean at the next week I think I mentioned it before if I didn't mention it I can't remember whether um, I did but I'm going to see Lauren Hill and I cannot wait um, so she's doing her 20th anniversary tour of the Miseducation of Lauren Hill and it was a massive album for me when I was younger and used to lock myself in my room and sing and sing sing not rap sing along to it hmm. um uh, but yeah no i'm, I'm doing that on um, next monday so i'll be able to tell you all about how that was um next you're, time you're predicting
1: well. this is going to be in your top 10 gigs of your whole of time aren't you
0: i don't know it's a weird one because uh, i've heard that so someone i know saw her at a festival in croatia a couple of years ago um and they said that it was the strangest thing because they were so looking forward to seeing her having been a lifelong fan and and really that album being one of their favourite albums as well and she got on stage and she started performing it but it was all she she was performing the songs but it wasn't didn't sound like the songs so she completely rearranged every single song Mm. so people were stood there going oh this is cool but this is really not very good at all because it's not you know you can't sing along and you can't really understand where what's going on um, apparently she's she's a little bit left field, um, quite an interesting character, an unpredictable character, so, an unpredictable character. Said, yeah. yeah. So who knows? I mean, it could go either way. It could either be one of the best things I've ever seen in my life, or I could be coming back going, what did we all what were we all subjected to for an hour and a half, two hours on a Monday night. Um, so I don't know. So I'm quite, you know, I'm looking forward to it, obviously.
1: It's funny when you're talking about that, it reminded me when I saw R. Kelly. So I saw R. Kelly for <laughs> no wait, Hear me out. I saw R. Kelly for the Was news. Was he
0: trapped in the closet? Uh,
1: yeah, I think I think he's eternally trapped in the closet, isn't he? But um, and I mean, I, I I didn't go by choice. I went to review him when I worked for the News of the World newspaper. And um, I went. I took my brother, who's probably a little bit more of a of a fan of, of R. Kelly, and he thinks actually, although despite. Kind of the joke reputation he has that that um, nestled amongst that is actually some quality music But he was completely unpredictable. You didn't know if you were going to get the most polished um, you know I believe I can fly and all that sort of stuff kind of pop or you're just going to get a complete mess in reality it was it was somewhere what did you in, get it was somewhere in between the two to be honest <laughs> there were some absolutely bonkers bits and there were some bits that, that were pretty Did he try smooth, and fly yeah.
0: did he try it did he, did, he, did he fly around the arena I don't,
1: I don't, think, I don't think I man, believe
0: I can fly guys <laughs> I don't think the Manchester
1: Apollo is big enough for that but yeah not,
0: I've never been there um, also I believe
1: you've been going through we've been getting some fan mail
0: We've been getting some fan mail, which is really cool. And actually, a lot of people who listen seem to be on the other side of the world, which is which is even cooler, I think, because, you know, fat rewind 10 to 10 years ago, and we like rewinding on this podcast. If we think about back, maybe not 10, maybe 20 years ago, if we'd have thought we'd be sat here now doing something, you know, Vaguely creative i guess um talking about something we love and having someone email us from the other side of the world to tell us they love what we're doing and kind of sharing their stories as well i wouldn't have believed you and i would have thought i mean i think we take it for granted these days i think we take social media and the kind of connectivity of the world a bit for granted Mm. um but i'm kind of thinking back to my childhood self while i would have been thinking but anyway yeah he, he got in touch um and it's a guy called damon m say hi damon um, and he said, "I thought I'd share my most important music memory since you asked." <laughs> so I we, like did ask. that we, we did ask. We this, did yeah. ask. So he um, he gave he gave us his answer, and he was talking about when he was in fourth grade. Hence, why we know he's from America. His dad, his dad sat him down and um, played the Beatles uh, soundtrack to the Beatles show called Love. I said, "I don't know if you knew about this." No. No, and I didn't either. No. Um, so it was it was an acrobatic show. So and it, all the employees got it for Christmas and it was filled with tracks that were kind of three or four beat songs together. Um, he said it was mixed by Paul and Giles Martin and some other versions aren't too bad. And the first track was an a cappella version of Because. So he said that because all he'd been listening to up until then, because all he'd been listening to uh, was Backstreet Boys and Van Morrison, um, it's quite quite different. Sort of, I know. Well, when, when I read it, I thought my head kind of mind boggled. you them, said, "Backstreet I like, Boys." I thought you going to follow and sing? Yeah, me know. too. And then I thought, you know, Ma- Van Morrison's quite credible, isn't he? I quite like Van Morrison. Brown, brown Eyed Girls, girl, one of yeah, my favourite songs yeah. ever, "Being a Brown Eyed Girl" and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, so he said because of that, he uh, on hearing that it was kind of a, kind of an epic moment for him, and he thought, "Wow, music is different to what I thought it could be. It's not just some polished." polished pop music um, so then he said next summer he grew his hair out took it playing guitar which he still does to this day and he said if that hadn't have happened when he was younger then he might never have been into music as much as he was today and I actually went on to Spotify it is on Spotify and listened to that because track um, as I was reading the email and it was yeah it was it's really good I'd never heard of it before so so recommendation love recommendations um, and I'll probably go back and listen to that again so thanks Damon.
1: Yeah, if you've got your own Kind of musical moment that changed your life we'd love to hear them, and we are looking at putting together uh, when we get enough of these uh, we get you know we're starting to accumulate a little pile of these now we're going to put an episode together with these um, you know we may even do some Skype calls with those who who get in touch to share their memories so yeah look out for that on a future episode, but I guess there's probably a good point to kick into this week's episode um, and our subject this week is going to be Johnny Marr. I think we kind of thought about this whether this should be a Smith's episode or a Johnny Marr episode, and we've kind of landed on Johnny Marr for reasons I'll probably go into um, in in a little while. I guess for this week's episode, we are going a bit further back in time, you know, the episodes we've done up to this point have been with artists that emerged either during our lifetime or someone like Blur, where they, yeah, they they emerged when we were quite young, but they were kind of a key part of, um, of, you know, they were still active, I guess, when we were growing up. But, you know, in Johnny Marr, this is someone who was part of one of my favourite bands of all time, The Smiths, um, in the 80s, and the band split up before... I was out of nappies, sort of thing.
0: But that's funny, isn't it? Because you, I was thinking back about this, and when I was on the dance floor, the indie discos back in the day, I would, ha- I didn't even, it didn't even comp- compute that they, the songs I was listening to were from before I was, well, not before I was, maybe before, yeah, the the year I was born. Some of them came out in '86, didn't they? Yeah, which is the year Queen's I was Dead born.
1: came out
0: '86. So, yeah. yeah, and it's funny. I don't think you really compute that because they're still relevant they were then 10 years ago and they still are now so you don't even really think about that but yeah good good point because yeah
1: it's kind of timeless music I guess for this episode we're gonna hit rewind on Johnny Marr's solo career so we have a little bit later on got a interview with Johnny around the time 2011 when he was preparing uh, his debut solo album Um, we'll go into a little bit more detail on that later on but I guess I've been really looking forward to this episode because Um, The Smiths and and Johnny Marr, and you'll probably notice I'm excluding Morrissey there for reasons I'll go on to in a minute, you know, such an important part of my life growing up, you know, probably partly the Manchester influence, you know, I think they're one of those bands that do get kind of passed down families in places like Manchester, but, you know, um, one of those bands I can just remember, I can remember the first time I, I listened to The Smiths, I remember someone at college, so it must have been 16, 17, saying, you know, if you actually sat down and listened to The Smiths or Morrissey and lending me an album I think it was going away and listen to it and, and um, no coincidence around the fact there is a book called The Songs That Saved Your Life about The Smiths because I think for a lot of people they are much more than a band and it's much more than than just music.
0: Yeah, I think the Smiths, for me, we were chatting about this yesterday, weren't we? And I was saying um, that I always felt that they were one of those bands. I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with them. And I think it's because I always felt that they were a little bit non-inclusive of of women. Um, and it might be a strong point to make. But I think you did agree with me, didn't you? They were very much a kind of a man's band. Um, not saying that women didn't like them, but I think every man has got... They tap into men's emotional side. So every kind of man would be sitting on the dance floor closing their eyes, of Swaying along, kind of really, it's really getting in into their heart. Um, and there's not many bands that I really think do that. For for every single man who likes indie music, will say exactly the same thing about The Smiths. And I just think it was a bit. I just I didn't get I didn't see any girls having that reaction. I mean, it's an
1: interesting perspective that you have got there. And I mean, I remember when when you mentioned this to me, it reminded me of the quote from Miranda Sawyer, the the music journalist, the kind of TV pundit, where she appeared on a Morrissey documentary in about two thousand and five ish. And they were talking about the fact that you know at Morrissey gigs, not so much Smiths gigs, I don't think, but Morrissey gigs, you get people who fling themselves at the stage. It's almost like a ritual and a bit of cat and mouse between the bouncers and you know Morrissey almost kind of encourages it. And she was saying, you know, the thing is, when you look at that, it's always it's always men, it's always men that are doing that. It's never women, mm. you know. So it does. Uh, I think they say that it stirs up the homosexual side in heterosexual <laughs> men. That's what's been <laughs> but suggested. But I think so.
0: What is it about? I mean, because Morrissey is is a, a is a massive press. I mean, we're not we're not taught talk- this podcast isn't about Morrissey, but I think Morrissey is a ma- you know massive part of this mess. I think if people you ask majority of people, they'd say Morrissey rather than Johnny Marr or. The other two <laughs> don't even. on am Smiths. That it's so funny. I don't know. It's funny
1: you refer to them as the other two because that's how Morrissey refers to them. Oh, is because, it? <laughs> because of the court case where they tried to sue him for um, for royalties, and and yeah, I think you know why did I love the Smiths? It it was the lyrics, it, it was kind of Morrissey's delivery, but I think more than anything, it was Johnny Marr's guitar. You know, I think yeah. in that same documentary I was talking about called Being Morrissey, I think it's called. It was on mm. Channel Four. You still find it on YouTube. We could probably put a link in the social media to it. Um, you know Morrissey talked about what it was he loved about Johnny Marr's guitar and he said he heard kind of great sadness in the rolling chords Um, you know and Johnny Marr is is a really interesting guitarist in in kind of the influences he's got you know he's kind of he said he's been quite influenced by chic and kind of funk style of guitar and kind of mixed that with kind of classic sort of Johnny Thunder sort of stuff 50s stuff and kind of mixed in with the punk stuff as well so for me I mean I think he is the greatest British guitarist of all time certainly the most um talented and, and um I think that was that was the big draw with the Smiths for me with just those if you know, this is someone like how soon is now I mean I still I've asked him this question myself. How did he come up with that riff? I mean it's barely even a riff. It's like um it's like it's been played through a washing machine or something, you know. It's it's and apparently <laughs> it's he's he's analogy. never been able to recreate how he did that exactly. He's never oh, really? quite. I think I think I read that somewhere that it's so difficult to do mm. that he's never quite recreated that that sound again.
0: Mm. But I mean, the Smiths as well as that. I mean, I do agree with you on that as well. But the 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 lyrics. Go, just going back to the lyrics a minute. Just because I've got one particular lyric from from one Smith song. Um, it kind of goes around my head, and as kind of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful lyrics, and that doesn't always happen with me, as we know, if we've talked about. But um, and if a double decker bus kills the both of us, to die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. What a lyric. And the way that he sings it as well. So I think for me, that's a, what. Which come on, so Rick, that's fact there, man. So that's, that's
1: there is a light that never goes out. There we
0: go. And I, I do really really love that song. And um, I think it's in a film as well. I can't can't remember which film it's in, but it's just it, it's used so well in that film. Um And yeah, that's for me is kind of the, the when you say the Smiths, I think about that and go, oh yeah, it's a really lovely song.
1: So yeah, Smiths fact about that song. Apparently in the early demo stages they called it "There is a light in your eyes that never goes out." So whenever I hear that. I automatically play the word eyes. I I automatically insert the word eyes into it because I think that's what it should have been. (laughs) I'm exactly the same with Thriller by Michael Jackson. So Thriller by Michael Jackson was demoed as Starlight rather than Thriller, and I think Starlight would have been a better word for that. So this is Starlight. I think just makes more sense for that song. But anyway.
0: And. Well, i think one of the reasons i love it is because it was used in one of my favorite films um which is 500 days of summer and if no one's seen it it's a really kind of emotive lovely film um with joseph gordon levitt who i absolutely adore um and zoe Deschanel. and i that partnership in that film is one of the best um partnerships kind of in a in a love story that doesn't work out and that song is you know he's listening to that song in a lift and uh That's kind of. He's a very. Ah, yeah, his character is your kind of archetypal Smiths fan. I don't know if you've seen the film. I've seen the
1: film, and I kind of, again, have a bit of a love hate relationship with it. Good soundtrack, but it's almost parodying indie fans, isn't it? I mean, I'll let them off because it's Zoe Deschanel, and I'm a big fan of Zoe Deschanel's work, but. um, but but no it it is it, it it does border on parody for me that film
0: yeah but, but i don't mind that but he is definitely looking with his little kind of his outfit and his little little floppy side bag that he wears i don't like anything that hair. turns
1: indie into a pose <laughs> indie is not a pose right
0: but anyway that's why i lo- love that song
1: you know and i think we've deliberately made this episode about Johnny Marr rather than than focusing solely on the smiths and, and morrissey and i guess for, you know the reason for that is I was a massive Morrissey fan growing up, but I feel like my relationship has been strained a little bit in You know in in recent years, Um, you know, there was the incident um, Before I was reading enemy, I guess you know I was quite young the Madness incident where he appeared on he appeared on stage or he supported Madness at Finsbury Park draped himself in a Union Jack and um, Enemy famously ran a cover of Is He Flying the Flag or Flirting with Disaster, suggesting that he was flirting with the right wing Im- imagery of kind of the skinheads who would go and see Madness kind of infamously. He then didn't speak to Enemy for I think well over ten years. They patched up around the time that I um, started writing for Enemy, kind of in the early two um, thousands, and then there was a spectacular fallout where Morrissey was interviewed by an enemy journalist, was quoted on saying some things around I think he said something along the lines of the gates have been flooded in terms of immigration he said making some comments about immigration you never hear an english accent in kensington and even through that i thought well you know it's just a cantankerous you know old man he took enemy to court <laughs> it did actually go to court i think in the end um i remember one of my old enemy colleagues said it was a bit like he was also a smith fan it was like your parents were divorcing you know enemy and morrissey mm. were, were falling out but i think even I think he's tested the patience of even the most ardent um, Morrissey fans with some of the things he's said recently and some of the you know he's publicly backed for Britain who are an unequivocally right-wing sort of political party so you know I almost equate this a little bit to Michael Jackson you know um, there are things that go on in Michael Jackson's personal life that we all kind of pretend haven't, (laughs) that we're not aware of or that we don't have suspicions around because the music's so great that's kind of the way I think it's going with 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 Morrissey for me, but I guess you You have to
0: kind of you have to try and separate the. I guess you don't. You're not going to agree with things that he's doing in his personal life, but you're probably never going to stop liking the music. I think it's quite naive to think that, and I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, you know, if 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 they're going to they're, they're going to do this person, I'm not going to like the music. I'm never going to listen to it again." Well. No, because they've created something, I guess, that can be detached from actually the person that they are.
1: I doubt many Lost Profit fans listen to that. <laughs> <anymore.
0: laughs> well, I don't know. But, 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 um, but anyway... Yeah, and, and you, we were talking about this yesterday as well, and I, I was saying that another reason I wasn't so keen on Morrissey is the fact that he banned meat and this is before veganism became all cool and I'm not a vegan I'm not saying you shouldn't be a vegan but um, it's before it was kind of really known anyone really knew what it is or or even the masses knew what it is let's say that but yeah he banned meat at his gigs and I just remember thinking that's a bit far I think everyone's allowed their own within reason I'm not saying everyone you know criminals are allowed their own choice but do you know what I mean it's like we're not Everyone's allowed their own choice in that kind of form, and I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure a lot of people who do support Morrissey and the Smiths are vegan because uh, they probably support some of the same. I, that I, he I, does. Thought, I, I thought I thought about know. it
1: briefly, not because of Morrissey, but I guess that might have been, you know, his the propaganda that he peddles might have been some influence on it. You know, in the end, I, I guess yeah, I, 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 I couldn't be bothered. Like,
0: yeah, and I and I think I, what I don't what I didn't like about it is forcing people to do something that they might not necessarily want to do. That was it. So it's kind of a wider point for me. I might get in trouble for saying that, but that's what I think. In, so. in trouble with who? You mean you think be, with...
1: the vegan masses on Twitter?
0: <laughs> I don't really care about that.
1: <laughs> they may they may rain down Or do and, I? You know, Maybe
0: I do. Oh god! I might d-
1: wake up with a horse's head in your bed when you wake up tomorrow, but made out of corn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. Let's move on.
1: So yeah, I guess I guess the point we were getting to. before we massively digressed, is it? You know, I, I think that Johnny Marr will always be the acceptable. Kind of face of the Smiths, you know. Um, interesting that he's he's a very different character to Morrissey. I think Mar, um, Johnny Marr is vegan, vegetarian. He's kind of of that persuasion, but apart from that, I think you know, I think a very very different character um, to Morrissey. Uh, you know, and someone who you know I'm really fortunate to have met a few times, interviewed a few times, um, and you know I'm a really big fan of his work. And I think when we were putting this this podcast together, I thought it was a really interesting time to kind of rewind back to a period in. In Johnny's life, um, where you know he'd been in the Smiths in the '80s, the the band had kind of split up. One of the theories, as many theories, is because he wanted to work with other bands and artists, and he's kind of a prolific collaborator. You know, he, he collaborated with the The, Kirsty MacColl um, Electronic, which had members of uh, New Order in it, I believe. And you know, around the time that I interviewed him in 2011, he'd just been in the Cribs, so he'd he'd kind of joined forces with the Cribs, which was an interesting dynamic in of itself. And something I didn't know
0: actually until I listened back to this interview. Uh, I don't know why I didn't know that, but I found that quite interesting. Quite a very you know big age gap. Um, two very different bands in my eyes as well two completely Well not, different... not just
1: that the Cribs is three brothers so to have three brothers and then and to, then put, and to put to put Johnny Marr in and but he'd also been in Modest Mouse for a period yeah, yeah, yeah. before that um as well so th- this I this like is a guy about him it's
0: quite it's a really, as you said a really collaborative approach He's got and... a real
1: kind of collaborative uh, collaborative streak and I think that's because he wants to challenge himself he doesn't want to be Pigeonholed as mm. that that guitarist from the Smiths he wants that to do guy
0: from the was different from
1: <laughs> different things that's that's why i think he is at the genius level not just in terms of his guitar work he's not a genius singer i think he'd be the first to kind of admit that that he's not a singer kind of by trade but he can he can sing but in terms of his kind of creativity he's he's a producer um, and just an all-round kind of uh, kind of nice guy i think that's what every that's what everyone says about him you know who's ever kind of um, you know has ever kind of crossed paths with him
0: yeah, definitely. Well, I guess, shall we listen to it then? Um, We're going to play a little, we're not going to play it all, are we? Because I think it was quite a long interview. Quite a long and, interview,
1: yeah. So we'll play kind of the highlights. Of
0: yeah, it. definitely. And uh, yeah, I guess enjoy, guys. And we'll, we'll have a quick chat about it afterwards as well. So shall we have a listen? I mean, it's, it was quite long, so we're not going to play it all. We'll just play the highlights and then we'll talk around it afterwards.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing to say is, this is one of the interviews that have been kind of pulled out of my archive. It was digitally recorded, but it was off a speakerphone. So uh, the sound quality may not be absolutely amazing, but I think you get the gist of what he's talking about. And I guess the other thing to mention is, in the interview, he's talking about making an album with his band, The Healers. The Healers were a band he formed in kind of the late 90s, did quite a lot of live gigs. They did one album called Boom Slang, and this was him talking about returning to that band after, I think it was about an eight year break. Ultimately, the songs that he was recording with that band became his debut solo album uh, that came out a couple of years afterwards. So, although he's talking about the Healers, this isn't actually about a Healers' album. That's the kind of spoiler of where, where this ends up. But yeah, let's um, yeah, I guess let's let's kick into it. So, so this is Johnny Marr recorded talking in late twenty eleven. Yeah, sorry,
2: uh, I was supposed to call you at three, I think, but I only just got the I only just got the email with your number on it. So sorry about
1: that. No, that's not a problem. Um... Just great! Great to have a chance to chat about uh, this Healers album, then that I've been been hearing about.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm in the studio. Uh, yeah, I'm in the studio now with it, really. Oh wow! Where, where's that then? Uh, I'm in am in my studio uh, just outside of Manchester at the moment. All oh, right. Uh, is that is that in Stockport? Is that is that
1: is that right? No, 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 no. It, it's out. Uh, it, it's out uh, near the
2: airport in in, in Cheshire, out near the airport. But um, I've been doing it between here. I'm doing some in, some stuff in Berlin as well. A studio called Wave. Um, so I'm I'm sort of back and forward between here and there.
1: And uh, yeah, so let, let's talk about the the healers. So I think okay, it's...
2: yeah, yeah. So at the moment I'm back at, at the moment I'm back in the northwest, and I just got back from uh, a few days in Berlin, and then I'm going back there um, in early January to finish it off. Um, so it's just between, uh, between here between there and now, really. But mostly, not in my own studio up, up here.
1: And uh, I think it was it was October, wasn't it, that you announced that you were you are getting the Healers. Well, I'm not sure. Is it the same lineup of the Healers as as way back? No.
2: Now? No, no. It's it's a, it's a new version of the Healers. I've got um, the the, uh, the our bass player is called Mac James, and he was in a band. Uh, up here called Laser Dream Eyes and um, he's very cool and uh, then uh, the guitar player is called Doviak, I've worked with him for quite a long time since 2005 and he, he works with me on the big band sound set and I first met him in San Francisco on the first Beatles tour so he's both been around for quite a while and me, me and him still worked together on different projects and the drummer is called Andy Knowles, who was in the Furnaces f- and um, played in Jason Ferdinand for a while. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a brand new lineup, and they're, 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 they're really the band are the band are a real creative entity, and um, they're, they're really in the thick of it together. They're, they're not some, some anonymous bloke hiding in the shadows.
1: Yeah, and, and what, what, what was it that kind of sparked you to do healer stuff? And obviously by the sound of it, Healers is quite a loose term really for kind of your sort of, I wouldn't say solo projects because it's in a band, but it's mm. kind of the stuff you do yeah. with, with your kind of, you know, revolving, well i say a revolving group of musicians but the musicians that you're working with at any one time. Yeah, what, what started
2: it was, well, um, what the, uh, when the Chris got to the end of touring, Ignore the Ignorance, the, the, um, the, there was a plan for them to have a year off and um, I, I started getting some ideas for songs together and I, I didn't want to take, it, take a year off basically so uh, I started thinking about turning them into songs of my own and getting some ideas for lyrics and um, then I got on a roll and started writing quite a lot um, after those after, after those last pub shows and um but the songs just kept coming, so I got quite excited about touring them, really, and um, that, that was why I decided to put the healers back together, um, having a lot of ideas, songs, and, and, and wanting to get them out and connect with uh, people who follow me.
1: So, so, I guess what you're saying is that you, these are the these are the songs that you would have worked on with the Cribs when you were in, you know, when you were with the Cribs for the, for that period.
2: No, I don't think. So. No, I don't think so. Because as soon as I because as soon as I started singing on them, they turned into a different thing. I just, uh, I just, uh, riffs wise, I started. I started coming up with quite a lot of riffs. But you, but had I been in another group, I would have just uh, brought bits of music to uh, do, do whoever modest Mouth or the Crips, But. Because I I knew I was good, I just started to finish them myself and and, and complete them, Uh, and um, and then uh, I started to enjoy it and started to see a couple of records on the horizon. So I I, I was led by that, and that's the way I always do things. I'm, I'm led by whatever music I'm in love with making at any particular time. And
1: obviously, you you, know, you you sort of ended your association you know officially with the cribs back in April, but what do you think you took away from that time in, in that band? Because it seemed from from the outside that you know you're kind of having the time of your life being back with those guys you know, and you, you, were, yeah. re- you were really tight as, as a four you know well uh,
2: we, we uh, were still really tight, and uh, I, what, what, I, what I took away from that was um, confirmation that it really matters when you're stood in front of an audience and uh, that the people in the audience are often the same as you uh, that that was the sort of joint ideology that i shared with the Cribs, and um, that couple of years of recording and playing gigs just confirmed pretty much everything that i've grown up with really so it wasn't necessarily something new it was more of an uh, uh, affirmation of uh, a shared philosophy. Does that makes sense.
1: No, 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 completely, completely. And, and yeah. do do you think there's there's a chance that they will work on any of your healer stuff with you again, or is, is that is that you know?
2: Is I, it... I doubt that because they're an entity in their own right, and, and I'm an entity in my own right. So I'm excited, very excited to hear, uh, hear how their stuff turns out, and um, uh, and and get together and. Uh, uh, just hang out socially, but uh, the, the the thing we all share is a uh, is a commitment to what we're doing. So I wouldn't expect anything other from them, other than uh, from I wouldn't expect anything other than for them to just be 100% committed to what they're doing. And um, as for, and they know that I'm the same with with what I'm doing. So we're all busy. Nice,
1: cool, yeah, and. Um... I was listening to Boomslang again this morning. I, I hadn't put them on uh, in, you know, in a good couple of years since, because obviously I knew I was having the chat today, and um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of wondering where where the sound is now with the heels. Obviously, that was like, you know, coming up to nine years ago. It was a different band. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a different yeah. time in, in music, really. So. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a very different. Uh, it, what I'm doing now is very different from
2: from back then, simply because of the passing of time. And uh, a lot of the shows I've played since then, uh, particularly with Modest Mouse and The Crip and uh, uh, the gigs I've recently played, more importantly, the gigs I've played recently with The Healers, because I started writing the songs and it was all, when I started writing the songs, it was always uh, the idea to, go out and play them live before you record them. Now, almost any band that I've been involved with has always uh, liked that idea. But actually pulling it off is a different matter. But in our case, we did it. And I'd like to do it some more, and I'd like to do it every time I make a record. So we get into it. I start with... I start off the songs, we get into a rehearsal room, we kick them around, and then I booked some shows uh, in um, Manchester and New York, and we went out and road tested them, as well as some of the older stuff, the uh, some of my older stuff, and it um, went down really well, and it's the best way to, to know what you're doing, and put them really under the spotlight, literally. And that has had a big bearing on it, really. We planned on, being, we planned on being a live group whereas the first record was me sort of feeling my way into being a frontman and trying to find out how, how to do it uh, all the gigs that I've done over the last five years is, and all the singing I've done has made me approach it very differently and um, the tempos are up and um, the words are more of a reflection of me living on this island Uh, because I'm much more conscious now of the place and the time that I live in Mm. and um, I'm trying to reflect that and um, it was, the first record was difficult and this record isn't isn't difficult. It's always work but Mm. I really enjoy it. Mm. The first one was hard.
1: Because I mean, I mean, you know, I hope this is fair, you know these are fair comparisons. But listening back to Boomslang this morning, I was getting hints of of Liam in the vocals. I was getting hints of of you know John Squire in the guitars, and and that and it did sound like a, an album very much rooted in Manchester. So I was wondering if if your kind of experiences of the past sort of you know decade or or so, you know, and living in Portland and uh, being in Modest Mouse, and you know, and, and yeah. I, I was wondering how how that's going to now translate sort of nine years on into into the to the sound well, and maybe you're singing differently I, d- I don't know
2: well um i sing differently because i've been singing live for a lot for, for five years and before that i hadn't really done it and i was learning what learning about my sound and um, it's you can't really you can't compare the healers now with boom Slam record in any way um back then there was something in the air that me and my musician friends were all feeling and now it's nine years later and it's something different and um i'm also a little more feeling a little less collaborative now uh with the healers um, because um uh, when i collaborate I, I collaborate with other groups whereas the healers is just all about what I want to do, but uh, the, the First Lot of Healers was, was still kind of collaborative really. Uh, there was a lot, quite a few people involved in it, um, whereas now, um, you know, it's, it's more kind of a, um, sort of focused on on me getting out my ideas, really. And it, it, uh, it's... Um, what can I say? I've just played a lot. Of sh- I've just played a lot of shows since 2005. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought I've sang a lot, and I've written a lot of songs with those, with with other bands, and um, I've kind of come around to playing a certain way that probably sounds more like what people me, how people expect me to sound.
1: Yeah, and I'm. i sure I had an interview recently that you were saying that there's possibly going to be two. You're going to. You're doing like at least two albums next year, and even a yeah. a film soundtrack. So, how's how's that? Is it does that mean you're putting out two albums of the healers, or you're putting out an album with the healers and then an album no, with someone else?
2: No, or? I'm going to put. I'm going to put two healers records out. The idea is that we put the first record out and and start to play or have a, a lot of stuff recorded, um, not necessarily finished, but. Recorded so we don't have to go away again, and you know, and disappear for a while, and and get into that whole kind of predictable cycle that bands seem to have to do these days. Um, I, I, I'd rather it be more like the way the way things were when I first started out, which is uh, have enough songs to be ready to go, so that you just get in there and finish them. Put them out on tour again. I don't like the idea of it uh, being a, a, a project at the time. I don't even like the
1: word project. Because mm. I mean, the Smiths were so so prolific. You know, in such a short space of time. I mean, obviously, I wasn't. Uh, as you can probably tell, I wasn't uh, around when the Smiths records were coming out. Obviously, I'm a huge uh, huge fan. Many de- you know, a couple of decades, three decades on, but. Yeah. Looking, looking back, you know, you look in the, in the kind of, you know, the annals, the rock history of The Smiths, it seems like you put an album out, you know, one month and then maybe nine months later there was another album ready to go and, it, and it, you packed in a lot in, it, in a kind of short space. So is it, is it kind of getting back into that? Because obviously that would be a huge, you know, in terms of, you know, it's taken nearly nine years to get another Healers album out. Um, to, then, to then switch it to being nine months rather than nine years feels like you're going a bit back to The Smiths No, th they're almost like the ethos
2: of the Smiths. Yeah, it's more the ethos of the band that I used to follow when or more the ethos of the way bands behaved when I f first started going mixed, really. Um, um, but uh, that was the sort of ethos misfollow you you would there would be uh Buscott's record, and then they would tour it, and then there would be singles, and then before you know it, another the second album would come by, and um, that's kind of the way I, I'm doing it now. But um, the the first the first Heroes record was just a thing in isolation that uh, had to be done, and that there were a lot of people like, and I toured a lot, but it was it was it was not, never my plan to follow it up really quickly and um, that's where things are different now and um, uh, I, I don't really plan on joining any other groups in the near future but the last time I said that things changed so I never know but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm copying the Smiths so much as just sort of doing what comes natural and not collaborating so much. Um, mm. You know, if um, I if was to do a film right now, that would get in the way of the group. So the group is a priority, that's what I'm trying to say. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas after Beastline, it wasn't really a priority for I mean, to leave my own group. But I did tour that quite a lot. Yeah, line came out, and then I toured it, and then uh, I did a bit of production. And I think the last time the Eelers played was at the Royal Festival Hall in 2005. It, the original he was with the festival hall in 2005 and Patrick Smith. So um, and then after that I was I joined muddy snout and that a few
1: years and then it was a crib. So I I've just been busy really. You know, 2011 was heralded as, as the big return of the indie rock group. You know, and it and it didn't quite pan out that way. Um, yeah. How 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 do you well, see? This, I, I
2: think this never going to be a time when people don't want to play in guitar bands. It's nonsense that that um, there's been a move, a, a significant move away from, from guitar bands. Or, uh, everybody's favourite bands are uh, uh, guitar groups. But I feel that there will be uh, somewhat of a move away from um, the uh, long-term acoustic troubadour um, writing also a clever melodies um, male and female that seems to be all over the place over the last couple of years mm. and the um, possibly um, more of a dare I kind of American sort of aesthetic, really. Um, but we'll probably
1: come into it. And, um, and, and Am- American, in what sense? Like American kind of alt, you know, alt, alt American alt rock or kind of American indie rock or. Yeah, I think more of an American indie rock
2: thing, really. Um, of like early eighties obsession over the last couple of years that will maybe that will that, be a, uh, a movement away from. I think. Mm. Who knows, Rick? We might even mm. have the nineties reunion. My God, God
1: forbid. But you, you know, you know, in Newcastle they had a nineties like theme bar back when I was there about five years ago. So you know, we'll probably we'll probably. <laughs> We're probably heading for we're probably heading for naughty nostalgia before we know it. You know. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know. Just as long as it's like, just as long as we get away from that kind of turgid like, sort of lame or artistic music, I'm all for it. I'm all for whatever happens as long as it's, it's anything but that nonsense. But then, um, do you want some of? Do you want some of our Will that be any good for you?
1: Um, for the album, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's uh, one of my next questions, actually. Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, because I
2: don't really want. You know what? Really? I don't really want to talk about. I understand that your was the only Healers record so far, but and I'm really proud of it. But there's not really that much point talking about bonespan because what I'm doing is so different and it's so old. The mm, mm. I mean? He's really old, but. But I, I, so I, I guess. Play I a lot of it live. But I,
1: I guess for what? you know, it's the only reference point on record in terms of the know, yeah. that there is, you know.
2: I know I understand that, and I'm fine with it. But I don't really need to talk about it too much. Well, the new the new record um, at the moment. Well, the working title is not Masters, and and the release date, which supposed to be mid May, and. Um, We've got what have we been, live we've been playing quite a lot of songs from it, we've been out a lot of different things. One um, song called Generate, generate, got an exclamation mark, after each phrase generate, exclamation mark generate. Then um, there's another one called Psychic Beginner. Psychic Beginner is that? Yeah. Psychic. And, and then one called European Me. Um, yeah, Generate, do you know, what else you are seen me? Um, oh, yeah, one called Save the Name, which is E-N-E-F-N-B. And for because when we went when we did out on the internet, people were just getting all the names wrong. And then there's another song, what else have you doing? Oh, okay. one called The Right Thing Right. I don't know if we did this one live, but we've got one called True Love Confusion as well. And, um, yeah, so it's just about... Being on a, being on a weird little island and living in interesting times—that kind of what I'm. That's the sort of inspiration for, for me, really, and just to try and connect with everybody who's followed what I do. And we're making a film to go with it as well. That I forgot about that. I, I, I'll get in trouble if I, if I don't mention it. Cause, um the friend will talk. Yeah, we're, make, we're making a film to go with it as well.
1: Ah, cool. Is that going to have the same name as, as the record, or no?
2: That's no, no. That's called Anglophonic.
1: And you know, is it going to be like a documentary, or is it going to be something a little bit more conceptual, or
2: yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's just about. It, it, we just started doing it. It's 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 about the band's life and and what we love really, and trying to represent what we see, which is as much as I'm trying to do in the words too. So I'm not representing the work. It's just
1: a different blank on, on the same thing that I'm singing about. Yeah, and I mean just just to uh, just to wrap up because I don't I know you're a, you're a busy bloke. I don't want to take too much of your your okay. time today. But um, got to ask because that this this did come up in the last enemy uh, feature you did with Matt uh, a couple of months ago? Uh, oh, yeah. That you had been in, back in touch with with Morrissey and you know and a couple of your bandmates. I can't remember, was it, was it Rourke, Andy Rourke from the Smiths, that you were working with yeah, I'm always
2: again? Yeah, t- I'm always in touch with Andy, yeah. I'm always in touch with Andy. I'm not really so much in touch with the others, but, because um, we're, we're always pretty busy,
1: so uh, that's that, really. Because, I mean, you're kind, you're kind of, you know, the last big, you know, name that... have Everyone's reformed. I mean, even today, there was talk of Happy Mondays, original lineup getting back together, and obviously the Roses... Uh, happened yeah. a couple of months ago. Um, you know, a lot of the talk is, you know, if you read any any kind of article about about the reformations this year, it's like, well, who's next? And you know, everyone seems to be thinking about the Smiths. But
2: yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I think people are more interested in asking the question than listening to the music. So mm. <laughs> no, it's almost like it's, like it's not yeah, like it's become like some weird kind of form of, of like journalistic.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, do you, do, you, do you know what my theory is? As a as a kind of lifelong Smiths fan, oh, yeah. my my theory is that uh, you and Morrissey will do something together. It won't be as the four, you know, it won't be the four members of the Smiths. I can't ever see uh, Morrissey playing with uh, with Andy Rourke and, and Mike Joyce again. But I can certainly see you and him doing something. I'm just putting that to you as yeah. as, as a lifelong Smiths fan who's you know read all the books, yeah. seen all the interviews. You know, knows all the records backwards. Um, that, that's that's my theory.
2: Well, inter- well, interesting. W- weirder things have happened, Rick. Not much, not much weirder, but weirder things have happened. And um, well, being, all of us being friends would be a good start.
1: And I guess that's how how it was with the roses. I guess wasn't it? It was that it was all meeting up again. Um, yeah. And, it, and and I guess it it was just actually getting in that room together again. That that. Made them bury the hatchet, yeah. I
2: guess. You know. Well, I mean, the Roses only made the Roses made only two albums, so it's a very different thing. And also, the dynamic in that in, in their group is very different to to uh, the dynamic. Uh, they were all, you know, they were big mates when they first started out. And we, we, um, you know, uh, when I formed the band, I, I, uh, I. I, I didn't expect that we were going to record like 78, 79 songs in such a short period of time. But we packed a lot in and we, we took
1: care of a lot of business. I mean, you say you'd have to, all, you know, be a case of your being friends again. Can, can you see a day where the four of you would be? Because, you know, a lot of water's gone under the bridge. Um, you know.
2: Yeah, it's not up to me. I'm, you know, I'm a, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I try being friendly, but it doesn't always seem to go over. So um, it's it's out of my hands. Just to, to someone else about that. You know, I can't I can't talk about what's in someone else's mind, obviously.
1: No, but at the same time, you're uh, if anyone's as close to this, you know, to the possibility of it happening, you know, it's it's you. I mean, it, I'm I'm asking this more as a Smiths fan than a journalist, and I mean that generally. Yeah. I think we'll probably leave it there, Johnny. I uh, don't want to take. Okay, Rick, yeah, well
2: uh enjoy the londonness trying to i hope it goes, well. Hope it goes well for you down there and come come and com- com- say hello when we play a show i think we're playing at the ITA. that i think that's where
1: we're playing first yeah we'll do cheers for that johnny speak soon bye. okay bye i think the interesting bit for me with this was was the questions around the smiths now admittedly he did kind of back them off pretty pretty artfully he described it as journalistic Tourette's. Around this time or not long after this time there were really heavy rumours that the Smiths were going to reform and it actually if you speak to kind of um, insiders and people in the know it came really close and Johnny obviously here is talking about the fact that there has been some contact um, between him and Morrissey um, and that had come up in a previous interview and asked him about it again and apparently they did come really close to reforming Um, you know and also I thought I'd I'd kind of always wanted to um, Put this theory to him that I don't think it ever will be the four Smiths that get back together, given there was a court case on royalties.
0: I like the fact that he'd listened to your theory and he um, didn't. He didn't seem to disagree with it. To be he, fair. Did, he didn't
1: deny it. I guess. I guess he said, "Stranger things have happened." It sound,
0: yeah, it sounded like he'd had a lot of media training, if I'm honest. But the "stranger things that happened" bit was an interesting bit for me cause because I thought, "I wonder if."
1: But I think that's what will probably happen eventually. I do think Morrissey and Marr will do something together eventually. I do not see a day where Morrissey and Mike Joyce. Um, and Andy Rourke will the, will the other two. The other I mean and Morrissey calls them the other two, he won't even refer to them um, by name. I, I think that's the more likely, although although who knows, hell you know, they said the Stone Roses, hell would freeze over before Stone Roses would reform. You know, and they met at a funeral for one of the the band members' family. So um, it's always a
0: funeral, isn't it, when people get back to back, people get back together, but families and friends are made back at a funeral, which is quite sad, really. I think, I think, well,
1: I think it puts things in perspective, doesn't yeah. it? That, yeah, that, it's That's, a bit like, that's oh. possibly why things hatchets get buried in situations like that. Yeah, because yeah, people yeah. think well. Life's short. I think yep. it reminds you that life's short, to no be honest. Point.
0: But, yeah, but anyway, I, I I loved it, and I think it was a good one. Um, I think we probably left the door open to do something on the Smiths again in the future if ever we want to. Um, do you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe Johnny will come back on. I mean, maybe, yeah,
0: maybe we could try and get... I mean, he's still doing stuff, isn't he? If, if him and Morrissey ever get back together, that would be awesome. If we could try and get those... Obviously, Morrissey might not want to fe- feature on the show, but Johnny seems to be kind of a guy who likes interviews and likes collaboration, so who knows? Um, but yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, which obviously we we love, uh, we love hearing from you all, um, you can email us on pod at gmail.com and um, we've also got social media you can find us on um, Twitter and Instagram at Demo Tapes Pod and we have a Facebook group as well we've not been as good quite as good um, on that recently but we can ramp it up a bit but again, anyway that's Demo Tapes Podcast on Facebook as well also uh, we are on iTunes, Spotify and Audio Boom. if you did want to go and subscribe if you're not already um, and on iTunes if you could leave us a 5 star review it really does help uh, if, uh, it helps us and it Help us to continue doing what we're loving doing at the moment. Um, but yeah, so next week we are uh, going to be talking about something a little, di- a little different. We've got a bit of a curveball coming up.
1: Yeah, let's that, let's keep that under. Wraps we're going to keep it under wraps.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you again for listening, and uh, we will we'll see you next time.
1: See you next week.